Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's Austin Walker, the editor-in-chief of Vice Gaming. Joining me today, Patrick Klepek, for our uh, inaugural, whatever the name of this podcast is. Is this a tryout? This is a tryout. Fail this? No, I think you have the gig. It's, it's, I think it's a tryout <laughs> for the podcast. The podcast might not get the gig. I think the, I think the, the last 40, I think the room that you're recording in might oh not get the God. gig. I, the, <laughs> the internet in the office might not get the gig. This room definitely doesn't get the gig. So, like, we don't have our, our permanent studio set up yet or whatever that, that space will be um, here in Brooklyn. I'm, I'm coming to you live from Williamsburg uh, in, a, in a bunker, <laughs> in a basement. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, so the way the vice offices work, like, the full first floor is where editorial is and the, the basement is where, like, all the HBO and Viceland stuff is. Like, Spike Jones has an office within, like, a minute walking from here. It's really He bizarre. does. I, wa- I walked past it. I, um, I, I brazenly suggested that it must have just been ceremonial, uh, just one of those things that you ha- you put in one of these offices, and they were like, oh, no, no, Spike comes in. You'll probably see him if you're here more often. He has like, oh. a dog. He just brings oh, okay. his dog with him. <laughs> it's a cute dog. Um, he had it like on the desk during, they did this big state of the union recently where they're just like, yeah. Oh, what's going on with vice? What's going on with everything? And he brought his dog to that. And it's like a live stream to everyone in all the offices. And the dog like walked on the desk and hit a button and stopped one of their video like presentations. It was really good. good. It was really human. Anyway. So I'm in like a VO room. Like normally you would come down here to do VO for a, a video feature or something, but like. There's just a cabinet that my mic is on. My computer is on a chair. It's it's hot in here. It's not really ventilated. It's just it's a mess. It's we're so if, gonna... you, if you feel if you feel like, you know as though Austin is uh, losing his mind as the podcast progresses. You have an explanation for the. You know, if you suffer heat stroke right. halfway through. Here's another thing. My back is to the door. I hate that. <laughs> I don't want, like, I can't, I'm facing a wall. I'm right up against the wall because that's where this cabinet that I'm using as a desk is. And I don't, someone could be behind me right now. I have no idea. We are, we are shattering the illusion that Vice is like this company that has like a bunch of like multi-million dollar investments <laughs> through this description of a VO box. You know, it, it does very well and will be great once we have our space, <laughs> which is coming. Everything's coming. It's just it's as we're, you know, leading up to to launch later this fall, um, which is super exciting. Yeah, I, I, I guess we should probably at least like Spiegel's probably have an idea, but that like we will not be called Vice Gaming uh, sometime in the near future. Right. all things happen as they're I, supposed to happen. I don't think we can say what we'll be called yet. No. But because but you never know. You never know. You know like, I don't we don't I don't want to jinx anything. No. No. Jinx is not the name. We're not being called Jinx. That's a different thing. Oh, that could have been that would have been clever though because then people got to come back. Right. Comb through yeah, it, comb through the podcast later and see if we accidentally 
dropped a hint because we've been thinking about this for for way too long, for yeah. way too many weeks. So, and we ended up we ended up going with something that was on the table from like literally day one. So I'm I'm excited because we got kind of a thing we wanted, but also it was there. It's been on the table since I started in July. Uh, but speaking of names, this doesn't have a uh, name yet. This podcast. No. Um, and maybe this will be one of those things where you, as listeners, can can shoot us names that you have an idea for or that you think are are good fits. After this is, you, this is <laughs> yeah. This is the you know the moment where we realize that we're exhausted with coming up with new names for very things on yep. the site and maybe you can help us because we can't do it we've well, ran out it, we've I think run one out. of the things that hurts is like we can't be like oh we're the whatever podcast because we can't <laughs> tell you the name of the site yet even um we thought about being the vice city podcast oh say so we, we did like if we, yeah if we want to go down the list of like rejected names that broke our hearts uh vice city was the one we we, we fell into when i came out to new york very briefly and uh, yeah, let's just say that the legal process has stopped that one pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, they're like, ha, that's cute. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at the point that you go, ha, it's cute, that maybe should be your first indication that you're probably on the wrong path. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if, you know, once you get a feel for what this is, and, and hopefully we'll be able to give you a taste of that today, uh, you know, start shooting us some ideas. Um, don't, don't shoot us double scoops. We see that one coming. We see you writing right now. Double scoops exactly. is not yeah. two scoops, none of that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. It's not, you know, we, you want something that's sort of like descriptive for like sort of a, you know, a broader theme. Yeah. Like what we're trying to. Well, you know, I'll uh, give you, I'll give you the, the kind of guideposts that I wanted for the website's name. Um, yeah. Which is, I wanted something that evoked spatiality, like a feeling of a place. I wanted something that had a, a feeling of exploration uh, and a feeling of interaction and community. So when the name is eventually announced, you can come back at me and be like, yo, Austin, that name doesn't do any of those things. Or like, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, totally. That totally lines up. Um, Look, weeks later, when you've gone down a thesaurus hole oh my for, God. for three weeks, you know, sometimes you convince yourself that something fits your original goals, and you live with it. It's there called also, settling. That's what you do in life. There was also a letter I really wanted to, to be at the start of this word, and I looked at every word that had that letter at the start of it twice. I looked literally at an entire dictionary from top to bottom of that letter and, like, listed all of the words I liked. It... It starting a website's like a whole thing. Like this sounds tiny and minor and easy, but like by week three of doing this, you know, for an hour a day, um, while in the middle of doing other things that are on paper, like feel more important. Like figuring out budgets is more important. Figuring out editorial strategy feels in your heart like, oh, I need to be that's real work. But like figuring out a name is like figuring out an entire identity for your for your site and for your publication so it weighs on you as much as making sure that the freelancer content is good you know like it's it's a big deal and that's a weird thing to realize well and it's also uh it's not as simple as just finding something you like you know i think if it was that right. then the, the process would have ended a long time ago it's realizing you know when you work for like it's the difference between uh, it's not you know huge. I mean, giant bombs. I'm certainly ran into some things. I'm sure, yes. like you know, the sort of legal uh, paperwork that you run into. But uh, you know, Vice is like a big chain of command yep. with a lot of people that are trying to help us succeed, and they've certainly succeeded. So you want to heed their advice, and uh, that's part of the reason we're excited to work here. But that also introduces lots of bumps along the way. Of well, I'm into this, but that person is into this, and then you know, you're trying to feel your way to something that maintains the identity yes. of everyone along the way. 
which is sort of, you know, how compromise works, but it, it takes a long time to get there. Well, like this reminds me a lot, actually, of the process of just editing, actually, right? So, you know, you, you take a look at when someone sends me a pitch for a story idea, um, the, the thing that I have to look at is like, okay, like, is this a good story? Is this a story I'm interested in generally? Is this a story that I think the audience is going to be generally interested in? And not just the Vice Gaming audience, the wider Vice audience, because right now all of our content is hitting that big audience. Is this going to be something that is digging into an issue that uh, maybe hasn't gotten a lot of attention? Or if it is something that has been given a lot of attention, did it, is it something where there's a new angle here? And then when you get to the editing, it's, the same, it's that same sort of negotiation, that same sort of process of negotiation where I have my like, house style for Vice Gaming, uh, the, but I want to re- retain the voice of the person who's speaking. It just needs to be in our general like, direction that we want to go. And that direction is mostly in line with the Vice.com direction, but not exactly in line with it, which is why we're going to be our own separate site down the line. Um, and that whole process is like this interesting negotiation because at no point are, are we, you're, never, no, you're never saying like, oh, you're wrong. This is bad. And this is the same thing with the name. Like, when you kind of run up the flagpole, it's not like it's coming back down like, oh, that name is just bad. (laughs) It's just like, oh, that isn't in line with XYZ thing that we as a larger company are looking for. And it's the same thing for me as an editor. It's like sometimes I'll reject a pitch, not because I think the story is bad, but because I think that it's not in line with what we want to do. Someone, So so someone, shout out to the the person who did this, um, pitched me a story that was going to be a rebuttal to your... Um, bad games piece. So Patrick last week wrote a thing that was like, um, it was basically the consumer argument, right? Which is like, oh, actually, it doesn't make sense to play bad games because they're bad and we all have limited resources. Um, So uh, the reason I ended up saying no to that pitch wasn't like, oh, idiot, I disagree with you. But, you know, you are sort of at a distance having fun with it in the ups and downs, and that's how this feels too, you know? know, Ostensibly, I have a vote but for the part of the debate, I don't, I don't. There's no way I to intercede. Have, there's nothing I can do. You know, the other thing is like, it's just, it's live. And anytime, like sports, like, you know, SNL, like doing a live stream on Twitch, like whenever anything is live, there is a certain energy around it. Um, you know, when we used to do the extra life marathons at Giant Bomb, there was this sort of like really powerful energy around that moment where it was like, oh, I fucking hope everything goes right. I hope everything goes right. Like really anytime we do anything live, uh, there's that, there's that vibe of like, a million, totally. Like, we sat down to do this podcast. Um, heads up, in the future, we would like to be able to do this podcast live. And it's a good thing we didn't <laughs> decide to do that today. Because as soon as I sat down, like, I came downstairs to get this VO room, but it had been booked poorly. The the internet all fell apart on us. Like, all of these things fell apart around it. And, like, that's not even the podcast. That's not even the, no. the thing. That's just the, the structure around the thing that fell apart. That's its own separate train wreck. And so, like... There's all this stuff with this debate tonight that is going to be, uh, you know, everything. Here's the other thing it is, I think, actually. It's the amount of attention that I know is going to be poured into it for the next week. That, like, yeah, it's, I'm, like, prepping my body to just be buried in takes. Just bury me in the I takes. Just, they're coming. Like, I, I, just, I know there's no. I'm covering myself in ice yeah. because the takes are going to be so, so hot. hot. That it's 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 gonna go right through me. Like it's, uh, I'm worried about it. I'm worried if my skin can handle the scorching nature of the takes for this for the next several. Well, and weeks. I'm terrified it's gonna go poorly. Right? I guess that's what it comes down to. Is that like you wrote? So we can actually pivot a little bit here into our second into our second segment. Um, you wrote 
uh, a a piece last weekend or I guess last Friday is when it went up. Um, yeah. On the news that Palmer Lucky uh, had been donating uh, was ten thousand dollars is is what he he donated yes. to an organization um, aligned with Donald Trump um, that that kind of was focused on shit posting for change. Um, yeah, it was it was like this 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 group that worked on yeah used memes um, and. Uh, other sort of, yeah, you know, sort of subversive internet tools to uh, sort of like deride uh, Hillary Clinton and to, uh, you know, uh, you know, push along Donald Trump's, you know, uh, presidential race. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the, the response that, you know, I think there are probably a lot, you know, there there are a decent number of people who in the vegan community who, you know, are not liberal or support uh, Donald Trump or you have their own reasons for supporting the Republican Party. You know, as part of what I went to this, into the piece was, ex- you know, showing that there are plenty of folks, including folks like Will Wright, who, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would probably think of as maybe not necessarily donating money to Rudy Giuliani, but he has. <laughs> right. I, I, would, has a I his- totally would have imagined him being more libertarian than Giuliani. You know? Yeah, he was Ron Paul uh, 2012 in my yeah. head, man. That's like, that's how I've always thought about uh uh, uh, will write. So it just goes to show that, you know, people's uh, public and private lives, public and private views uh, are often different or, or align with different uh, values. And um, I think what rubbed people uh, the wrong way about uh, what Palmer Lucky did was the fact that uh, it was done in secret, right? You know, so when you, uh, when you back a campaign, um, when you express public support, um, you know, there's sort of a, a trail yeah. for that. There's sort of a uh, a way of uh, tracking uh, what's happening, and you know, in the you know, certainly in the last uh, twenty years, and definitely in the post Citizen United era, um, there's an increasing anxiety over um, the ability for people of a rich persuasion yeah. to use uh, dark money to hide uh, the way that they uh, influence uh, the election, and, and, so and politics in general, hand. the state of things in yes, general. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. Like, this is not just on the presidential level. Like, in, in fact, if you know, it, it often happens uh, much more often on sort of like the local state level where people are not uh, really looking but anyway you know it's when you when you combine a um a an extremely divisive uh, uh candidate uh, like donald trump and you know whatever i'll grant that you know also hillary clinton as well but uh the, the sort of d- lines that divide people on donald trump are uh, often along gender and race uh uh and and things that get people really fired up so the fact that palmer lucky um, who you know was a creator, a co-creator, uh, or <laughs> less than that, if you want to believe some of the yeah. <laughs> some of the more uh, seedier commentary about the origins of, of VR. Um, you know, I think people he's inspired a lot yeah. of people that VR is here. That like the thing that we've been dreaming, a lot of people have been dreaming about since the you know the seventies. You know, since watching Tron is now about to become not only a reality but like a mainstream accepted sort of like te- technological revolution, and that. Uh, Someone like him would be doing that on the side really rubbed a lot of people with players um, and developers. Well, you know, and there's this there's this overlap between a lot of things that I think uh, helps dig that deeper under the armor, right? Like really gets under your skin. Is that like it isn't just that he donated money to the campaign. He donated money to a group that uses memes to try to affect change. Um, it's not just that he posted on Reddit uh, saying that he did this uh, again. There's a, a really great Daily Beast story that runs down all of this stuff, and even gets a quote from him directly admitting to this, which is really, as a reporter, is like substantial and and shocking <laughs> that he went on the record. Well, and and I and 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 it may. What I found was shocking about it was that he uh, sort of lackadaisically uh, just confirmed it as, and yep. I think that is reflective of maybe. Uh, 
how he felt about his involvement is like, oh, I'm just doing a thing on the internet. It's right. no big deal. And like that stuff holds a lot more weight when you're a, you know, I don't think we, we actually know his worth, but it is hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. The, and, the, he uh, of the Facebook buyout, I believe he, he uh, received 700 million. So we don't know what his total worth is, but like that's a lot of money. Um, yes. Well, and so the the there's also just this like there is in this strategy and in the politics um, here like a sort of disregard for the. I want to make sure I phrase this right because I'm I'm not trying to like this isn't a personal attack here, um, but in the politics that that he's presented here, there is a disregard for people who can be affected by big moneyed interests while at the same time he's released a product this year that is like a hyper luxury item for people who can barely you know who who for people who can afford $800 machines right or or $2000 computers and has gone on the record to talk about how VR is supposed to be this great big change for the future it's supposed to make people's lives. I mean, he's gone. He's he's specifically and... even said that it's supposed to make like oh, of course, people in in uh, in the developing world will love VR because they'll want to escape reality, and like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Or you have you know VR being you have VR being used for you know ways of uh, of trying to help people. Uh, Combat right. phobias, or or, uh, or, or, or uh, folks that have post-traumatic uh, right. stress disorder. So, like, they're like, you know, you have that on this side, and the dichotomy of that is, uh, you know, uh, a a seven hundred million dollar, uh, you know, corporate executive uh, subversively using um, internet tactics that are associated with uh, the uh, disgusting alt-right movement um, that are are primarily targeting, uh, <laughs> you know, memes that are go after like marginalized right. folks. Like, that's just it's an extremely uncomfortable. Look when you start following, the and then whole there's trail this con- from the re- from the rhetoric, right. and then there's action. this convergence too of the politics where he is the the libertarian dream, right? He is the in, in a sense he represents the thing that people want to say that people in those groups especially want to say is the American dream. It's like oh he was like a uh, a young upstart gen- like boy genius, like he was like he came in from the outside, he disrupted this space, he kicked off this giant you know economic revolution in the space of VR, and he did it by himself. And, and then when you read the things that are like, and again, we can't validate the claims that, that, uh, that are out there. And, and to kind of briefly summarize these, these claims, um, it's things like that um, the Oculus Palmer had to go to, to Valve and kind of borrow some of their technology to address things like the, the kind of like seasickness, d- disassociative stuff that was happening with early builds of the Oculus Rift. Um, we can't substantiate that, but that claim is out there. And, and in general, we know that lots of people built the Oculus Rift, right? Like lots of people work on, on any piece of technology. Um, and that is one of those things that actually runs head first into this myth of the these, you know, garage based single like young boy genius inventor uh, myth, myth that is so intrinsic to selling that dream, selling the dream of anyone can do anything if they try hard enough. And because of that, we should cut taxes. We should, you know, not worry about having a social safety net. Um, we should really just encourage indiv- we should, you know, uh, kind of judge individuals instead of judging systems and structures like all of that stuff is caught up in this this dude um and so i think there's a lot of baggage that is being addressed and is being maybe not even direct directly addressed but like is caught up in the emotional response here like here is this dude who is supposed to represent the fact that anyone can make it in america and also he is like aligned with the dude who (laughs) 
makes who wants to make sure only certain folks can make it in America, and that is uh, a really stark uh, realization to see those two forces are actually aligned. Yeah, and then so that that's what sort of prompted me to kind of walk. You know, there are a lot of there was a lot of great reporting. Uh, you know, the Daily Beast, uh, uh, Vice's sister site, Motherboard, uh, yep. did a lot of uh, great analysis as well, tracking sort of some of the developers and and their responses uh, to it. And then sort of my piece was sort of angling like why like why was this getting you know under people's skin and sort of walking uh, folks through that. And I think the the question that uh, a lot of uh, folks that you know try to be uh, socially conscious uh, were faced was you know what do you do when you're excited about oculus rift when you're excited about vr when maybe you were thinking about or own you know uh, an oculus rift uh we're going to get one eventually like how is this supposed to make you feel how is this supposed to uh or or not change the calculus on on supporting or being excited for this and i i think uh you know it's tough because you know if you deeply examine uh pretty much any consumer habit uh you're going to find that you are you know consciously or inadvertently Uh, supporting awful things that is that is uh, sort of part of the nature of the world that you sort of have to you know you find some things that you can control and other things that you just have to live with um, and that I think that's the what's made a lot of people uncomfortable is how do you reconcile being tremendously excited about VR while also realizing that uh, while he already may be uh, mega rich like is it uh, inappropriate for you to uh, support his ability to become Right, even more rich off of yeah your interest in the technology that he was a part of, but also again was only a part of like hundreds, thousands of people were part of the Oculus uh, Rift consumer you know version that shipped this year. He he did not toil in a room by himself <laughs> doing that. It is it is it is you know that was a lot of people with a lot of hard work um, whose image is uh, blemished mm-hmm. by his actions, um, and I think that's that's a really complicated question to. To kind of work totally and it's one of those things where i think there should we, you know we should we'd be wise to be generous with the response here and the way people respond like this the response to this shouldn't be a litmus test for whether or not you're a good person um there was a really good tweet by um by uh felix kramer um who is who is kind of a God, they're like a, a video game industry fixer is kind of my, they're like the Harvey, you know, Harvey Keitel's character, the wolf in, in, uh, yeah. uh, Pulp Fiction. I kind of, I kind of imagine Felix as, as a fixer who just like parachutes in and makes things better and then like goes off to another project to do that. Um, and uh, they write, remember, if you aren't quitting your job at a company founded uh, by a walking go- garbage fire because you need to eat, that's OK. This isn't on you. Um, you know, there is people need to feed their families. People need to pay their bills and people need to be able to do a, a real and thoughtful calculus, which is how do I make sure that my ethical views on, on the world, my political views are things that I can pursue while at the same time, like making sure my family doesn't starve. And that's a, well, I, mean, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I went through that myself Fairly recently, <laughs> you know, in the last 18 months of my life, you know, I worked for, uh, what was it? Uh, Gizmodo Media now, I think is what they uh, renamed uh, Gawker Media to. But I mean, that was absolutely a case where, uh, you know, I, Took a job in which uh, my I I reconciled my uh, feelings with uh, what Gawker Media had sometimes chosen to do as an organization by trying to do good right. work that reflected 
what I wanted to put out into the world and realizing that, uh, you know, I was, you know, my wife was pregnant. I was planning to buy a house. Uh, I had to buy a new car. Like I had, I had things I had to do. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I have to support my family. That's, you know, the number one. Which doesn't priority. mean that you're like going to be a hitman, um, right? Like there is, there again is a calculus right. that happens yeah. here. <laughs> and, and ideally what you're doing lines. is taking, you know, you're making changes where you can, right? I, you know, so here's like, here's right. like a behind the scenes thing is like, when I took this job, I got uh, emailed a bunch of times from people who said, like, hey, Austin, I have this problem with Vice. Hey, Austin, I have that problem with Vice. Hey, Austin, I'm surprised you'd go to Vice. Like, here are a handful of things that I deeply disagree with that they've done over the years. And my response to that was always, like, all right, well, like, one, first of all, understand that when I'm at Giant Bomb, like, I was at CBS, which is this massive company where my presence will never be felt. Like, I don't care how good my review of Homefront the Revolution is. Nothing I write is ever going to make it so that Les <laughs> Moonves doesn't say he's happy that Donald Trump is getting is getting support because it's good for ratings. Like, that's never going to change. Yeah. Whereas here at Vice, like, I'm in a position now where my voice is in a lot of interesting meetings where lots of people are and I can help change the culture here and I can help push it in directions that I'm really excited about. And I see other people doing that too. Like even in the couple of months I've been here, there have been really great steps taken by people at Vice to address things that when I came in, I thought might have been problems, you know? Um, and so that is is like one of the things you have to decide as an employee under capitalism is like, where can I make the changes I can? Where can I have positive effect? Which is not a get out of jail free card for people who are like, hey, fuck it. Like, let him let Palmer Luckey can do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't care. Like, give me those give me those bills. Like, I'm just here to make bank. And like, OK, well, maybe be a little more maybe be a little more thoughtful than that. Um, but there is a spectrum of responses here that I think are are totally legitimate. Um, and And while I totally am, you know, uh, uh, well, I totally support the developers like Polytron who and Kokoromi who have said like, oh, Super Hypercube isn't going to come to the Oculus Rift now. I'm not judging developers who are like, well, we just spent, we took out $200,000 in loans to make an Oculus Rift game. We can't, we need to pay that money back. Like, I, I get that also. Yeah, and I actually thought uh, Insomniac Games uh, had like a pretty... Uh, thoughtful response to um, the whole uh, ordeal, which basically was to condemn the action, but also, you know, they've made a significant investment in VR and, and placed mm-hmm. a bet on Oculus and, you know, have enjoyed uh, the relationship they've had with that company. And they, you know, that's, you know, as far as corporate responses to things yeah. like that, I think that's, you know, I think what people, uh, what people crave yeah. is acknowledgement of the, so Insomniac, response, Insomniac right? writes, uh, they wrote, Insomniac Game condemns all forms of hate speech. Um, while everyone has a right to express his or her political opinion, the behavior and sentiments reported do not reflect the values of our company. We are also confident that this behavior and sentiment does not reflect the values of many of the many Oculus employees that we work with on a daily basis. Which is like, it's just words, but those are some pretty good words, you know? Yeah, because it, like, it, th- it throws shade <laughs> while also sort of uh, doing exactly what we were talking about. It was like not uh, it's giving cover to the folks that you know the the engineer that is out there working that you know isn't cannot talk publicly without losing their job, but privately feels you know uh, disgust right. over what's happening. Like it it it, it tries to shine a light in that direction to say like, hey, like this is more complicated than Oculus supports right. Donald. Trump, right? Like that's not that's not the this, story. You know, that's that's the feeling you can. Yeah, you can get that feeling from from the headlines and and the reaction. Um, 
but that is not necessarily, uh, you know, it, he does not, Paul Malucky does not speak for all the people who work under him or Well, I mean, that even goes back to stuff that we've been talking about on and off all year with things like the Deus Ex Mankind Divided uh, marketing stuff where it's like, man, I've played that game and I know that there are people on that team that are really, that think, have thought deeply about this stuff because that stuff shows up in a lot of the side content, like like actual discussions about, you know, uh, systemic police racism uh, or, or, or militarized policing or lots of stuff like that, like, is in that game and is not reflected by what was uh, a, a, a really basic marketing strategy that kind of used buzzwords to generate heat. Um, or even with, um, there was another market, what was the other marketing thing this year that was just like really, or even just the the No Man's Sky marketing, right? Which was like, if you were just an engineer on, on at Hello Games and like could feel the hype and buzz building around that game, oh, there were just some marketing decisions there that, I can imagine you feeling bad about, like if you're just in the trenches, so to speak, being like, well, fuck. And then, of course, you saw Shuhei Yoshida kind of threw that whole team under the bus (laughs) in an interview. Yeah, like acting as though Sony wasn't, uh, you know, a a total uh, active actor in uh, creating the marketing for that game by making it a sort of a central piece of uh, what the PlayStation was for the better part of a year and a half. Like that, you know. Me too. I like Shuhei Yoshida a lot, um, but he said that, um, that rubbed me the God, wrong way. He said way. <laughs> this is with an interview with Eurogamer, I believe. Um, Shuhei Yoshida, who is the uh, president of Sony Worldwide Studios, though I think there might be a second president. Like his the the organization at Sony Worldwide is just such a weird thing at this point. Um, or at Sony Sony Interactive yeah. uh, Entertainment. Um, the uh, he says. I understand some of the criticisms, especially Sean Murray is getting, because he sounded like he was promising more features in the game from day one. It wasn't a a great PR strategy because he didn't have a PR person helping him. And in the end, he is an indie developer. But he says that their plan to continue to develop No Man's Sky is features and such, and so I'm looking forward to continue playing the game. And just like, ugh, like, y'all were involved. It's not like it's not like (laughs) you didn't have a chance to intercede and make sure that that pitch wasn't... Like I don't know. I obviously we don't know. We don't know what the backroom deals were. We don't know what the the contracts no, say. Maybe there was a, a clause that was like, no, like Hello Games handles all that shit completely in house. Um, but there, are, <laughs> Sean Murray was on a lot of PlayStation stages, you know. Um, yes. And at that point, there's like I'll at least take collaborative blame. At least be like, yeah, we yeah. So I, I can really imagine this year that there's been all these cases of just like, oh, someone at a, at a really high level has made a decision that does. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Not necessarily reflect what my interests are or even what my talent is or what I've done successfully here. Um, and that must be really frustrating, especially if you're in the VR space where this feels like a make-or-break year. Uh, I think next year is really a make or break year um, because like if things don't take off by next holiday season, then we're going to be in a real place. But this holiday season is pretty important too, especially with like PSVR about to launch. Uh, And I'm really, if I was a VR developer and I sat through that Sony event last month and didn't see them put PSVR on that stage, which is their last event, as far as I know, to make that pitch to the, to the public, I would, again, feel, like, a little shitty. Yeah, and Sony has a really poor track record with selling accessories. Um, yeah. You know, that's that, that yeah. has been their MO, has been to, uh, you know, put out these devices that, you know, have really flashy announcements. Um, and then if they underperform, it's uh, suddenly they pretend that Cut that stuff never existed. And it's too bad because part of what I've been excited about Sony's um, investment in VR is that as a consumer – company like they are used to launching things and selling things you know like the right. the vice was or the, the the vibe was you know very <laughs> haphazard and a very valvian sort of way of of launching a product um and uh, the oculus you know it seemed like they were they were building a company as they were building this device right like building a development infrastructure and like they were just right. they were doing a lot of things on the fly that right and they ran into some problems with things like the the shipping or like the the kind of like the product flow um which hopefully sony because they have all of those factories they understand what the flow should be from factory to shipment to retail like they're in a better place to address all of that stuff. Yeah, it just scares me um, because I'm I've been a huge proponent of VR for for years. I've been excited for uh, this moment, and it just you know I'm you know I don't want to kind of eggs for the hatch, but it's just it's it makes me nervous because it, it's really easy for it to go all go wrong. And I think what, yeah. the, the the one thing I will say is that uh, in some ways VR already won because uh, the biggest obstacle to being able to enjoy. Uh, VR the way we are about to now. Even if everything just shut down in early 2017, um, now for, you know, $800 or less, depending on uh, the kind of sliding scale of what kind of device you want to buy, you can buy consumer-grade, excellent VR that you mm-hmm. can plug into uh, a PlayStation 4 or uh, uh, your PC. And that just didn't exist a couple of years ago because people weren't putting in the investment to make that something that the, you know, it's still a luxury item, but it is within reach for the per- the average person that, it, you know, considers this uh, technology and games a hobby. And right. So even they it, can start putting money aside at least, right? Yeah. Like when you get the, back when Sony announced the price of the of the VR, if you, if you or of the PlayStation VR, if you had a PS4 already, you could immediately start like, start, I'm going to start my VR fund. Every month, I'm going to put away 50 bucks, and by the time it launches, I should be good to go, you know? And regardless of what happens with PlayStation, uh, VR will continue to be a thing on PC. I think what's at stake going forward is what I think a lot of people uh, would love to see out of VR are, you know, studios investing big money into, you know, uh, VR sort of experiments and little small uh, games are, are definitely awesome, amazing. It's sort of, it's the fuel of of any new technology. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love playing experiences that clearly tens of millions of dollars and 
thousands of hours were put into to give me sort of like the best in class, ambitious, amazing looking mm-hmm. artists slaving over all this. Like that's like that's what I want out of VR too. And I think that's what's in danger of slipping away is if it's not mainstream a way that uh, companies can uh, reliably make money. That stuff's gonna that's that's just not going to happen, or it's gonna be only uh, fueled by Sony themselves, you know, wanting to put in the money. And that's the, you know, uh, the reports I have heard from developers I've talked to for, you know, the better part of a year um, is that, you know, companies like Sony aren't investing a whole lot, like less than you would think in funding games uh, for VR for what, uh, you know, seems like a fairly big part of the company's initiatives for, you know, the next 12 months at least, or at least certainly leading up to, you know, the it seems, you know, VR and PS4 Pro are, you know, sort of like the pivot points to whatever the PS5 is, uh, whether that's next year or two years from now. And uh, lots of developers I've talked to have uh, rolled their eyes at the amount of money <laughs> that Sony is offering um, to create VR experiences, which explain why uh, you see something like... Uh, Batman VR, whatever that's called, from uh, Rocksteady, where it's like it's yes, the the you know the aesthetically it looks really interesting, but mechanically it's it's pretty simple, and you know that's still maybe fine, but it's not something you're going to invest a ton of time in. Um, and while I, I don't know the exact development history of that game, so I don't want to speak to that um, if it doesn't apply, but it would fall in line with what I've heard for the past twelve months or so of. Sony trying to strike deals, but not giving you much money to do more than yes. something pretty modest. Yeah. And so, I mean, the thing, I, I kind of have two thoughts here, which is like, one, I really hope the PSVR does well, because I actually think in terms of feel, it is the it is the headset that fits me the best, and that I think it's like a really high high quality, and the process of putting it on is oh, like... beautiful. Once When you have done uh, of it, the worst experience, which is the Vive, and then yeah. you go to the PlayStation VR, you're like, oh, right, like this is it's, a company that understands ergonomics. Here's like, yeah, the most celebrationist thing you'll ever hear me say. Putting that thing on <laughs> is like putting on the Iron Man suit. Like, it clicks and clunks, and then you have an adjuster that you just like squeeze in the right way, and like it, it, it has been built... Their ergonomic design is a difficult thing and is an art like to where someone feels like someone in Sony HQ like wanted you to feel tra- like you were transforming when you put this thing on I, was, I had just had my first experience with it recently uh, at PAX I got to play um, Res Infinite which is the new 4K update to Res um, and also has a VR mode and it also has this thing called Area X which Again, I'm a VR. If you're a VR optimist, I'm a VR pessimist, or at least a VR skeptic, um, which is to say that most of the VR experiences I've had have been like, okay, cool. Uh, like up until now, my favorite VR experience was the one time it failed in a really cool way where like, I was doing a demo with uh, a guy from Oculus. It was an Oculus Touch demo, and his side desynced with mine, and I could see what he was doing, but he couldn't <laughs> see me. And so it was just this moment of like beautiful cyberpunk terror as I just was a weird goat, like digital ghost voyeur um it was the best and it was like oh okay you could totally tell weird stories with this thing uh but then i played area x which is for people who haven't played res think about like star fox or panzer dragoon um it's kind of an on-rail shooter where you're you're kind of collaborating with mu- with the musical track of each level as you attack things you kind of do a, a lock-on attack like panzer dragoon and then release, and then you fire all these blasts out. And it's just like electronic music, and it's beautiful. And even playing that in the VR was great because you could do the thing where you're looking all around, uh, looking all around the environment, taking shots at things behind you, all of that. 
But in Area X, which is a new, like, micro game, 20 to 30 minutes long, somewhere in there, um, you go off the track, and you can, like, control your own speed. You can go forward or backward. You can explore these spaces. And it was just like, the, it's the first time I took off a headset with chills. Um, and I don't want to dig too deep into this stuff because I, I used to be on a podcast where we talked about VR all the time and I know people hate it. <laughs> so I don't want to like keep going down this path, but like Area X was the first thing. Uh, Area X, again, being the, the kind of new Res Infinite um, content. It's the first time I've ever left VR being like, oh, you couldn't do this this way without VR. It was even to the point where I kind of, I talked to Mizuguchi about this and he, I kind of asked him like, this is so much more than what Res is in terms of the the kind of synesthetic overload, right? There's so much happening. Are you afraid at all that players aren't going to be able to keep up with it. Res is this on-rails thing. It's kind of a leap of faith that you're going from on-rails to off-rails and expect players to still have the same, not cinematic, but kind of uh, synced experience because you can't control what they see anymore. They can go anywhere. Uh, and his response was like, basically, like the, like the protagonist of Res, I believe players have evolved um, to kind of be in line with this. They're ready to do this and, and will continue to evolve and learn how to... to play games in this way that's really enjoyable for them and that was just like oh okay yeah so I'm, i am like rooting for the psvr at this point only because of res infinite like that made me at least for for this little corner of the world a believer the second thing here is that in some ways i think i'm totally i'm totally with you that vr has made it but not only because um it is uh, going to be here for a while now that there are consumer devices but I think that there is, I'm surprised I didn't see this take, which is the fact that everyone is upset about Palmer Lucky proves that VR has arrived. If Palmer Lucky had come out like this three years ago, who? Yeah. Who cares? Who is the, oh yeah, he's doing some weird Kickstarter thing. But the fact that this was like huge news on, on Twitter and gaming Twitter is like, uh, uh, perhaps a sign of the times that we care about him as much as we care. If Bobby Kotick had done this, who cares? Right. Um, if if any big, super big, uh, maybe not who cares, people would care, but it wouldn't feel like this weird betrayal in this uh, way. Wait, wait, it, 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 I think uh, it also uh, goes to show, uh, you know, I think people in their mind already sort of think of uh, Bobby Kotick as of kind, of a, kind of a supervillain, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, already. Totally. Um, totally. That he's just like, oh, of course, you know, uh, rich white guy is going to act that way. You know, I, I don't right. mean to, to do that to necessarily cast aspersion on him personally. I just think it fits sort of like a mental map of and, what we think he is and how he has acted in the past. Whereas I think Palmer Lucky, uh, I. I think people are just genuinely surprised. Part of fueling the response is uh, this feeling of betrayal of our own expectations right. over like what we think this guy is or what he represents, and also the fact that because he's this, you know, as you're talking about, sort of like the boy genius myth, um, he is a representative of VR in a way that uh, yeah. the average fan is not, and I think. You know, as we lead into, you know, this fall, which is like, you know, the biggest push for this technology um, as sort of like a non-joke, uh, I think a lot of the anxiety is out of this risk of like, well, you're going to screw this up for everybody, yeah, dude. And that to me is both, it's both like, <clears throat> oh yeah, totally. And also, oh, that means that enough people actually care about VR to 
to have a response to this. And like, if I was in that marketing room, that is the angle I would be like, all right, everybody <laughs> calm down. Uh, <laughs> this is just really bad, obviously. Look, you know, we're no trending. Doubt we to walk this back, we're but trending. we're trending. But we're trending, you know? Uh, and then they like, pull out the collar. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird situation this year. I think for a lot of reasons, things are charged all over and it is, you know, may we live in interesting times, right? Yeah. Uh, we should also make sure and, uh, plug, uh, that we just had a VR doc. We uh, did. Up, uh, about a week and a half ago. Maybe? Yeah. Um, it was, it was a, a VR doc that began, uh, over in the UK. So shout outs to, to Vice Gaming's UK editor, Mike Diver and, and the team there who kicked things off with it. And then it, it launched last week. Uh, it is, it is called Stepping Into the Screen, I believe is the, is the title of it. I should know the titles of the things it, that go it, up on my it, site. It, it, it went through, uh, <laughs> you, you know, as, as we have all gotten started here at Vice and as, as we all, uh, you know, wrap our head around to working on uh, a lot of different things that were not usually our purview, uh, yeah. just because of the way that uh, the ambitions uh, the vice has for gaming. Um, uh, yeah, we also came into a lot of things midstream. Yes. So <laughs> his VR doc was one of them. Yep. So uh, ex- you can excuse Austin for not remembering the name because that name may have changed 15 it times. It changed 15 times. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a really interesting process because when we made that VR doc, the first cut of it, I have no problem like being transparent about this. Like the first cut was pretty celebrationist and it was pretty much like VR is here. VR is the future. VR is revolutionary. And as people who, who you know, want to, talk about the future of games and about the culture of games and about everything else around it, we wanted to make sure that that we were making claims in that video that were accurate. Like, did we really feel like VR was the future or that it had revolutionized or would definitely revolutionize things? And after like some critical thought, I think we took a step back and said like, no, we are hoping that it might do those things, but in reality, there are all these unanswered questions. How do developers deal with the fact that for some people, VR has a disassociative uh, reaction or that it gives them seasickness or that it is expensive or that it, you know, all these other questions. Um, how do they design games knowing that the, the physical response to a jump scare for VR is not the same as, a, as the physical response to a jump scare on a TV? Um, and so we kind of shifted in that direction. We talked to a medical expert. We did all of this stuff to like kind of make it um, a little more ambivalent, uh, not not negative. Like it's still, you know, we still talk about a lot of what VR does really well, and and critical, but critical exactly critical in the way that that you and I often mean critical, which just means like thoughtful and you know trying to trying to check ourselves, reflective, um, and and so definitely go check that out. That's on vice.com slash gaming where you can find all of the stuff that we do right now. By by uh, the end of the fall, though, let me tell you, it'll be a new site. New yeah. site, new name. Uh, it's one of the like to, to speak towards uh, some of the ambition of uh, Vice Gaming that has been, uh, or I guess Vice is a company that has been uh, really fascinating. Has been uh, so one of the things that Vice does is they uh, we have so many different arms uh, around the world that uh, our our content doesn't just get content. There it I'm is. There myself. it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been looking at too many corporate uh-huh. things, uh, but you know the stuff that we write uh, not only gets propagated elsewhere but gets translated. Yeah. Elsewhere, like there are people that hand translate uh, articles I write and then they get published other places. And so I love on Twitter uh, hearing from folks that are like, hey, so I just read your article in Italian. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I was like, I've never had something like that before. It's it's super cool. And it's, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of wild to think 
because uh, I don't, you know, I'm certainly was not thinking of the articles I write for an Italian mm-hmm. audience. I don't know if I would do anything different if I was, but it's kind of amazing uh, when folks have reached out and given me links to that stuff, and and then I see like other comments happening that I cannot read or being machine translated by Google Translate. Um, it's like wow, like there are conversations happening about the things I've said somewhere that I never totally. intended or even had even thought of. Which is amazing, which is really fantastic. And like, it is really cool to come in one morning and be like, oh, what's our what's our top story? Oh man, Brazil is eating this up. Like, cool, awesome. Like, that's <laughs> rad. Yeah. Uh, and that it's really nice to be part of a company that's doing all of that. Uh, so, you know, what is, what is, what comes next for us, Patrick? Well, what comes next would, would be um fan, if we could find, if the, a fan is out there. Are there fans? Make it, Make yourself known. No, speak, speak up. This is like a seance Wait, right now. Approach, We're doing... approach, the, approach the microphone, please. Uh, is it on? Is this microphone on? Yeah, that's 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 okay. close enough. Uh, well, we're fans. We're fans of ourselves. Um, so I guess we'll just have to deal with that. But this would be the moment where we. Um, yeah, I think the idea is that uh, you know we would like folks to to send in questions. Um, and we will try and pick one that I think like would you know prompt you know a ten to fifteen minute discussion as opposed to sort of like running down ten fifteen emails and kind of just uh, sniping through those. I think the idea is like we want to try and you know have sort of like meaty, um, interesting discussions mm-hmm. uh, in in each parts of the podcast. So uh, I guess we would ask people to start thinking of that because yeah, I mean the 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 goal. You know, don't hold us to this yet because we're still f- figuring everything out, and Austin gets pulled into a million meetings yep. as we lead up uh, into the to, to the launch of uh, uh, the website. Um, but yeah, the, the hope is that we're going to do this uh, Mondays and Fridays, uh, sort of uh, aping the format for uh, Bomb in the AM mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that I did with uh, Alex Navarro back over at uh, Giant Bomb, uh, so that you know we can kind of like kick off your week and end your week um, with you know sort of like forty five minute hour. Uh, long podcast and the goal we need to work through some uh internet issues on austin's side but the goal (laughs) is that uh so again don't hold us to it but the goal uh maybe it's possible this will get delayed till when we have a studio and we have a little more control over things but uh the hope is that we can uh, do this live in the same way uh, i did that with alex so that you know we could also take questions uh from people um you can have a conversation while uh the podcast is is happening so that's that is kind of the goal, um, but again, uh, to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. Here's one. This one comes in from uh, uh, C-M-A-S-E-K-A-R on Twitter. Uh, I think, I think okay. Shira- Shirag. Um, sure. He says, uh, he says, hey, dude, weird question. Do you know any games with an R&B soundtrack? Uh, uh, this came in 22 hours ago. I didn't just ask Twitter. Don't worry, Patrick. R&B's. But, like, not exclusively. A lot of hip-hop. Lots of hip-hop. Like this, yeah. Uh, I um, think... What was that? The EA fighting game? Def, Def there's Jam? a bunch of Def Jam uh, games, but none of those... All of those are just hip-hop. I think a lot of the yeah. GTA games will have some R&B in there. Uh, I'm sure that Vice City, again, not the name of this podcast as much as I wish it was, <laughs> um, had a radio station that was going... It was a lot of 80s R&B. Um, same thing with San Andreas, uh, and then probably with four and five too, but like, not like a determined R and B soundtrack, which no. is a shame. I'm I, I just did a Google search to see if I could, if there's anything that would come up, but no, everything just points me to yeah. hip hop. This is, this is a, uh, Hey, game developers always looking for Here a new angle. R and B. R&B. This is there's a Wikipedia page called list of video game soundtracks considered the best. And I feel like that's. <laughs> out of the purview of Wikipedia, frankly. 
Well, okay, wait. Does Singstar R and B yeah, count? Yeah, totally, absolutely. I want to see what the track list is for this. Singstar R and B. Here we go. Luther Vandross, Salt and Peppa, Rihanna, Jamiroquai. Um, what year? Well, if we're Amy Winehouse okay, back to well. black, then I guess we're talking. That, I feel like that probably sets our... Mm. Well, Singstar was also... what well, That was, was a big huge. thing in uh, like 2003 to 2008. Yeah. Uh, this... Like PS2 era and PS3 era. Some some bootylicious. That's not that great. I'm not sure this. Summertime counts. is on this list. I mm, I don't know if that's R and B. I, th- I think that that's hip hop. <laughs> I think I think it might be R and B. Oh, okay. Quotes. Yes, gotcha. God, yeah. So hey, do that if you're a developer. Give me give me that that game with a hot uh, R and B jam. Uh, but I guess I don't know. Is that is that the end of the? I, is that's that I think that's guess? normally we'll have a question that's a little more like something we could <laughs> chew on. But I reached out to Twitter. I was like, there has to be someone who has said at Austin underscore Walker question in the last twenty four hours. <laughs> Let me see if there is, and there was. So thank you to uh, to Shirag again for for reaching out with that question. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess for quite uh, you know if we were, did any real preparation, we would have an email address that you could send questions to. But we don't. Uh, you can send. You can. You can send questions to gamingadvice.com. Oh, okay. Look at that. Boom. Look at that. Okay, we are more prepared than I thought. All right. Gaming so you can send questions. Uh, send questions to, to gamingadvice.com. Uh, put the uh, word question in the subject, which will help me see it. <laughs> please, please. Uh, yeah, it's it, Austin needs all the help he can get. <laughs> Trust right now. Trust. I do. Uh, Where can we yeah. find you on the internet, Patrick? They can find me at Patrick Klubik. Uh Paste that into any social network unless I forgot to register it, in which case someone else will have done it, and then occasionally those people will be kind enough to give it back to me. Has anyone ever held it for ransom? Uh, well, uh, I purchased the uh, PatrickKlubik.com domain years and years ago and then let it lapse because I had no, no reason to really have it other than just to sit on it. Yeah. And then someone grabbed it when it expired and then they emailed me. They turned it, they made it as a forward to, I can't remember what it was. It was pretty funny. It was like a really nice person. But then I was like, hey, maybe I should just take that back. And they, trans- <laughs> they transferred it over. So fortunately, it was not a horror story. That's good. Uh, and uh, you can find me at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. And for now, at least, advice.com slash gaming, where I wish I had more time to write. But as Patrick said, I'm constantly being pulled into meetings. Should be some good stuff coming this week, though. I, I have a, a pretty big interview I'd like to transcribe today or tomorrow, and I'd like to get that up this week. A lot of great freelancer stuff coming this week. Anything big you want to uh, you want to uh, shout out nothing, coming up? No, I'm, probably, but nothing I want to commit yeah, to. <laughs> I got you. I know, I know how it is. Oh, and thanks to Bo N for letting us use his track Miss You for the EP Pale Machine, our podcast theme. So, all right, tune back in on Friday when, you know, we'll try to do another one of these and we can talk about whatever happened this week. Uh, I think that's, we got to figure out a sign out. How do you sign out of podcasts, uh, Patrick? Goodbye. Good, 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 um, <laughs> that's, just, that's just not, not that's like not. That. And then what we do is music comes in. Yeah. We just imagine there's music coming in. Now. Voices are fading. Okay. We're we're fading. We're fading. We're fading. fading. And now we're gone.